This is Timestamp, the podcast dedicated to capturing this moment in time. I'm Amy Breslow. Today's episode, Vote as if your life depended upon it. My guest today is Mark, who identifies as a gay male. I think uh, the most important thing right now is really the election. It's, It's scary to think that we may have another four years of what we've just experienced. But I think it's important that we get our voice out there to, to make sure that people actually vote, regardless of what their political background is. I, I want people to vote. You know, we had our primaries and I actually went physically out to vote. I'm a naturalized citizen, so I don't take voting lightly. I take it as a privilege and an honor. Um, and every election that I'm eligible to vote, I vote in person because I take pride in, in, in doing that. I like to personally go in. I don't care if the lines are long or if I, I've, I've waited in the rain, I've waited in the snow, I've waited <laughs> in 109 degrees heat, you know. I just, I just like to go and vote personally. I actually became a citizen when my mom became a citizen because I was underage. When my mom be- became a citizen, I automatically became a citizen. But this was in this was nineteen seven uh, nineteen seventy six, so the bicentennial year, and I was twelve <laughs> twelve years old. Okay, I'll I'll fess up to my age. <laughs> I was twelve years old, and my mom made sure that we were involved in every step of her naturalization. So she made a big deal about it because I don't know if you know this, but my dad's dream was the American dream. That was his dream, you know, to bring his family to the United States and live out the American dream. And in 1960, in mid 1960s, he started to go down that route and look for jobs in America. He was a university professor, moved here. My sister, who was the eldest of the seven children, moved here with him. And, you know, she got a job at Wisconsin Gas Company and they moved here in 1967. So I was three years old at that time. They petitioned for the rest of the family. And at that time, you petitioned for your family. And he, you know, he had a green card and a working visa. Um, and he petitioned for all of us to come in. And there was a waiting period. And it was not until 1969, so three years later, uh, that we were proved to immigrate to the United States. So summer of 1969, uh, right before the first man on the moon, we arrived in the United States. My my dad had a house uh, ready for us, all stocked and ready to go with my sister and my mom and the five boys uh, flew to the United States and we immigrated. What happened though is six months later, my dad had a massive heart attack and died. So... My mom, with six children in a foreign country, at that time I didn't even speak English, 
decided that she would live out my father's American dream. And it took her a while. 1976, she became a naturalized citizen. And she, I remember the conversation we had. Uh, she was saying that she was going through this and she wanted to make sure because my older brothers and sisters already were too old. But my brother JP and I, she wanted to make sure that we knew the importance of going through the naturalization process. So I was I was all dressed up. We took our little pictures for our naturalization papers and we were in the courtroom. I took the oath just like she did standing next to her. And it was a really 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 proud moment for my mom. And I'm sorry. <clears throat> um to live that out for my dad. And as you know, I, I just lost my mom two years ago. So just that memory flushing back at me, it makes me really emotional. So I, I apologize. <clears throat> just that impact of that conversation and going through and taking the oath. Of course, I didn't have to take any tests like she did. <laughs> but um, she made sure that we understood American history and understood uh, just the significance of us becoming naturalized citizens. So I, I wear that badge with honor and with pride. She never worked. She was always a housewife. So what she did know was she knew how to sew. The, Philippine, the small Filipino community that was in Wisconsin really helped her. So I also am grateful for the Filipino community and those who are among our, my mom's close friends. She, they got her a job at a company that sewed uh, priest vestments for Catholic priests. And so she became a seamstress and she worked every single day to make sure that we were continuing to live the life of my dad wanted. My sister had to take a back seat on her career and life and live with us. Uh, she was the only one who had a job really at that time, right? My older brothers were still in high school. So she helped my mom um, to make sure that uh, we had food on the table and that we all went to school. And so I owe her and my sister everything because they're the, they're the two who picked it up, picked up from what my, where my dad left off and, and made sure that uh, we had everything that we could to live the American dream. I realized that there, there, there needs to be some sense of immigration reform, but at the same time, this country was founded by immigrants. We are a melting pot and hodgepodge of many diverse cultures and races. And we have someone in the White House who is trying to eliminate that. That cannot happen. We, that cannot happen. We, we have an administration who is breaking down barriers of years, years of desegregation and civil rights and god i i could just go on and on and on and, on. and that's truly what's important is to make sure that we have 
a someone in the White House and an administration who recognizes the ideals of what America does stand for. It's not about white privilege. It's not about the 1% ruling this country. It's about the diversity of all Americans and backgrounds and welcoming, welcoming them. It is something that we should be shining a light on. Um, you know, look at our last election uh, where I, I don't remember the statistics, but the number of women and the number of women with people of color that have been elected into our Congress. That was historical. And it was just a blip, just a blip. And it shouldn't be. We need to make sure that we have a president and administration that embraces those morals and the dignity of every American. We cannot be divisive anymore. I am a person of color. Uh, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. Uh, I remember being bullied, being called Charlie Brown and names like that. I've been called Chink. I've been called uh, Spick. Uh, you know, being Filipino, I have kind of a a different look that is people who don't understand cultures and diversity. They slap me into their own frame of reference. It's only their racial bias, right? So yes, I consider myself a person of color. However, being Filipino tends to have its white privilege simply because Filipinos are often looked at as doctors and nurses and that type of education. And because we were, the Philippines was ruled by the, by the British for a, a period of time, we have the British school system. So English is taught in our schools. So if you are Filipino born and you went to school and continue to follow higher education, you were brought up speaking English because that's how our teachers taught in English to make sure that we could uh, be foreign diplomats. We could immigrate to English speaking countries and be successful and represent the Philippines. So there is some sense of that white privilege. I do have Filipino friends who are very, very, very Republican, it confuses me because I don't think, in my opinion, this is my opinion only, I don't think anyone who is of any person of, uh, person of color, uh, regardless of, should not be supporting this current administration at all because he will lump us all in one category regardless. So... While I consider myself a person of color and also gay, there is that barrier I have to overcome as well. There is some sense of white privilege that accompanies being Filipino. So going back to the very first question of what was important to me, I said that voting was important to me. And that kind of delved into, and thank you, Amy, for kind of bringing that out of why that is important. It's important because we have 
someone in the White House who's disregarded everyday Americans, mainly because of the color of their skin, the amount of money that they make and contribute to his business, and the lack of guidance and leadership that he has shown, not only on how he's handling this, how he handled this pandemic, but regarding climate change. And we became the number one in the worst possible way with how this pandemic was handled. We can't continue to have someone in the White House who disregards scientific knowledge, educational systems, by giving people who have no background in education leadership. I could go on and on about what is wrong with America and this leadership that we currently have right now. It affects me in so many different ways. As a person of color, as a gay man, as a middle-income person, it affects me in so many different ways. And I think just the lack of how the pandemic was handled shows that they don't care about every American. They only care about the top 1% that support him. And he himself only cares about himself and his family. That's why it's important. It is with heavy heart that I heard about the news of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And as I was scoping through just some of the quotes and the good that she has done for this country on uh, gender rights and gender equality, there was one quote that kind of summed up our, our conversation. And it was about, it was a quote that she said to new citizens who were just naturalized. And her quote said, we are a nation made strong by people like you. Man, did that hit deep. As I said before, I think it's an honor for me to vote and a privilege, and I don't take that lightly. Our country is made of this mosaic of people, different cultures, different races, different backgrounds. And again, it's about not to be corny, but to building bridges of understanding amongst people and being able to voice your opinion without retribution and continue to maintain the relationships that you have. And that's really important to me, you know, with my Facebook circle is to be able to still have differences, but yet still be within our my circle and know that I love and cherish everyone who's in my journey. Unfortunately, some of the recent events, some people's really deep set, true feelings um, and biases have come to light. And it is amazing to me because I thought I knew people and I'm seeing a completely different side of them. And unfortunately I've lost some friendships due to that, but I, I still fight on. I, I want to do good things uh, with my life and 
again, live that American dream and contribute to this country as much as I can. for listening. Timestamp is produced by me, Amy Breslow, with IT support from Alex Moreno and original music by Maddie Schuler. You can find us at timestamppodcast.com and can subscribe on Apple, Stitcher, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll be back in one or two weeks with the next episode. Until then, take care and be well. Mm-hmm.